Welcome to Anything But Routine, presented by Just For Kicks. This podcast covers everything and anything dance. Stay up to date with the podcast by hitting the subscribe button. So first, Chelsea, how do you say your last name? <laughs> Parati. Parati. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was I saying it wrong. I, no, I always tell people it rhymes with karate. Karate, karate. That'll help me. So yeah, first, that's what I, my husband told me when we were first dating. That's the only way I can do it now. That, that's a great way to remember it. So tell me, um, I want to tell our listeners about your history a little bit. So your degree and what you specialize in. Sure. Um, so. Uh, I guess I have kind of my specialty from two different angles. So on the dance side, um, I'm all studio trained and did kind of that traditional studio competition track. Okay. Uh, and then got into the ballet side a lot towards the um, like high school years. And I loved my ballet training. Um, so I spent a couple years apprenticing and then was eventually a professional ballet dancer for a year. Wow. Um, while I was in college. and tried to do both being in college and in that pro world. And it was a lot, but, um, so that was the dance side. And then, um, I started coaching right after that. And what state are you in? You're I'm in Colorado. You're in Colorado. So we're far apart from each other. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, yeah, so then I started coaching. So then that was kind of, uh, the dance side. And then, uh, academically I have a PhD in sports psychology. So I focus on, kind of basically helping um, athletes and dancers specifically to be able to perform their best when it counts, right? So it's that kind of mental aspects around our sport where, you know, we train so hard physically, but helping them being prepared, like you have two minutes on the floor, like and being able to execute when it matters and then other kind of team culture leadership type things. Wow. And I think really that is a big hot button topic right now because you know, compared to other sports, like I, my my granddaughter plays basketball and my son did. If you, if you goof up, you have time to like be aggressive Great. and catch up and, and get better. But in dance, if you goof up, you know, you go, you've got to go out confident. In that first yes. 30 seconds, you can't get comfortable. You have to be comfortable. Yes, absolutely. And I, I talk to dancers a lot about that. And, you know, I think we see how the first, you know, maybe the first four, eight counts of a routine are kind of jittery and shaky Mm -hmm. and then maybe they settle back down and it's figuring out like, how do you, you don't have time to get comfortable. Like you just said, like you can't wait four, eight, six, eights to feel comfortable or, or what happens if, you know, a skill is not perfect and you have a minute left, like you can't give up and start over and you can't throw the rest of it away, you know, so being able to be really present. Um, so, I think it's a really powerful skill to learn. So when, how, how do you start working with the team on that? And you're, I mean, I know what I do. I want to hear what you have yeah. to say. Like, how do you get a team competition ready and have their confidence be as good as it can be? Right. I think what I've learned from uh, when I started consulting with teams, like outside of my own, is that people want this to be a like, give me the workshop to do, or give me the one thing to teach them. And they want to do it, you know, the week leading into competition or like, okay, the dance is done. We're ready. Now I need to make sure they're mentally prepared. I'm like, this is a, you know, 365 day a year thing. Like you can't just do it, um, you know, when it 
when it feels like competition time. So I, I so agree I, with you. I, f- I find some <laughs> coaches that are like, they want um, all these like pre-comp rituals and stuff. And I'm normally like, do what you always do. Don't make that right. day any different. It's the same, yes. you know, it should be the same. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly the how I would train it. It's like you train for that same uh, toughness, right? So you push them in practice in a way that's challenging and hard and let them feel that sense of like, I'm uncomfortable, I'm scared, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Uh, you do the same amount of, you know, the positivity and the encouragement that comes with the pushing you, like, you know, I'm pushing you cause I care and I know you can. Um, I think, you know, big, big goal setting stuff around that trickles all the way down to your individual practice and being able to go about uh, your practice in a way that's like, we're setting this goal. It's going to be hard, but we're going to fight for it. If we don't hit that goal, how do we handle it? So it's like, you're taking those competition lessons on a micro level of like every single practice, every single drill, every run through that routine should have that same level of expectation and toughness. Um, cause it's not just going to happen, right. you know, the week before you, you can't just train it and be like, okay, now we got it. I'm like, and I you start it all year and it, you kind of slowly build it and continue to build it. I feel that's like one of the single most important things new coaches need to learn is you're going to perform how you train. And, yes. and if you don't train and you know, I'll, I'll have people say, how do you get your team to smile or how do you get, well, you do it all the time. You know, you, right. <laughs> you can't just do it that day. So that's so important. It's so important. Yeah. Um, I, I always talk about controlling the controllables. So yes. let's talk about that a little bit. Um, what, what are things that, I mean, I can tell you what I think. What do you think? Yes. What are things that, I think it's one of my major mantras and I think people who have kind of followed me for a while or hopefully my own athletes if you ask them what do I always say they would say coach says control the controllables I um, you know I talk about it a lot with my athletes around competition but it it's also an everyday thing Mm -hmm. Um, but you know around competition you can control your effort you can control your attitude you can control how you handle a setback you can't, you know, you can control what you eat and how you take care of yourself. You can control how prepared you are, um, but you can't, you certainly can't control judges. You can't control the other teams. You can't even control your teammates. And I think right. even as you know, the high school and college levels, if they see a teammate who is, you know, they look like they're unconfident or they're scared or they're, they look like they're not paying attention and maybe they're just overwhelmed so they're trying to make light of a situation i'm like if you worry about them that you're not doing your job right you can only worry about you and and that can, can spread be, yeah yeah that, yeah you can be supportive of right. course right if somebody's struggling you can be supportive but from that mental side like you can you have to worry about you and i think in competition world you know it's easy to watch you know to look at the lineup and like oh who am i after how do we have to go after them and or we're first or, you know, all of those right. things that coaches stress about that you can't and I control get that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you, but you can't do anything about it. Like it's just not, it's yeah. not worth your time. Um, but I think it could, it's a practice level thing too. Like in practice, you can, yeah, you can control how you react to falling out of your turn. You can control how you receive feedback. You can control, you know, the amount of focus and effort you're putting in. You can't, you can't control coach or your teammates or what floor you're dancing on or, you know, those things that you can whine is and complain slippery? about. Is it, is it slippery? Yeah. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, I also feel that the more prepared you are, and by what you're saying is getting your kids more prepared in terms of how they practice, but the more prepared you are, the better your team's going to do. I, I always yes. feel it equals confidence. And, you know, sometimes a failure on my part be, by getting my kids prepared, not, you know, if they're not prepared, if we've right. pushed into it, 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 it creates a crisis on their part. And yeah. the, it really does because you, if they're not, prepared that you don't feel confident and I, I think of myself if I have to speak at something and I'm not prepared I'm not as confident mm -hmm. you know but if I sure. I put the time in I'm more confident and I think that's really important for all young coaches to really listen to that yeah. you do have to be prepared and you can set your kids up for success in terms of how you prepare them yeah and I think when even to take it a step further of how to prepare them like you prepare them in the training but I think as coaches, we plan out competitions as far as we know how much time we have in between routines. We know if we're going to change our hair or not. We know when we're going to eat, like we, especially something like nationals that might last multiple days. Like you have a plan, but we don't always share the plan with the team. And I think taking the time to go through those details for them of this is how everything's going to go that day. Uh, helps them also just feel more prepared. Like they know when they're allowed to see their parents and when they're not. And they know if they're allowed to have a phone or not, or when, when lunch is coming or when, you know, they understand um, all the expectations. And, you know, if you have a quick transition from palm to hip hop or something, like they know to expect that and they're ready for it. And it just cuts back on so much of the drama. Oh. Um, I think for a while as a young coach, I was like, kept that to myself. Like that's my yeah, job to be. Yeah. I did that. too. I and did too. You just go along with it. Yeah. I'm like you guys just, you know what you're me, doing. I'm prepared. Yeah. yeah. Trust me. I'm prepared. We'll be fine. And then I found over the years of how much like sharing my plan with them really helped them just like be calm. All you have to worry about is performing on the floor and not being stressed about any of those other details. It, and it saves you a lot of questions and it saves you, yes. you a lot of stress. Like I've started having a, I actually got it from another coach and I was more go with the flow. I'm, I'm more not a plan, like I'm not as detailed as a planning, but I realized my style isn't what every kid's style is. Sure. So yeah. you need to have, there are the planner, planner, I need to know exactly what I'm doing type kids. So we've gotten mm -hmm. to the point where we have a schedule that's like, you will, you will have a snack 45 minutes prior to when you go out on the floor just because I found, oh, kids weren't yeah. eating and they didn't have the energy they needed. Right. You know, yeah. so we've got it all planned out that you're going to eat a snack here. You're going to do this. You're going to do your makeup here. You're going to warm up mm -hmm. here. And, and boy, does that help your kids. It sure yeah, saves yeah. your questions too. And Absolutely. I, I printed yeah, it out. Saves and, your sanity. Yep. Saves your sanity, of course. But then it helps them on the mental preparation. It sure so, does. And, I don't want. I don't want you worried about when and if you're getting a snack or if you get to go give your mom a hug. Like I don't want you thinking about that. I want you here, like present in the moment. And yeah. Like I said, if you have the kids on your team who need to walk through that, it helps so yeah. much it, to know what's happening. It even helps the parents. Because they'll, oh, the they'll know when the kids are coming out to greet their parents. Yeah. So we always have greet your parents. So I like that. Yeah. So maybe let's talk a little bit about confidence with kids. It's been a topic sure. that I've really talked a lot about lately. And I feel mm -hmm. confidence is really hard on, it's hard for kids to be confident nowadays with social media compared to when I first started coaching. I found right. a big difference because they're not just comparing themselves to the kid next to them. They're comparing themselves yeah. To the kid across the world. So what advice would you have for helping a kid become more confident? Yeah. Um, I think it's, 
similar to what we were talking about that it's it's in the small things every day and it's there's not some big thing to do or something to try or this big intervention, right? It's Mm-mm. in the small little things. And so I think you can build confidence with um, like big small challenges that it's in psychology, we call them like optimally challenging, right? Okay. So something that is, it's hard and it's gonna push you, but it's doable, right? You don't want it to be so far out of reach that it's deflating because you can't do it and you don't want it to be easy, right? right. So something that, you may not get today, something you may not get in a week, um, but and uh, giving them a chance to go for it and trusting them and giving them the feedback so that they can get it. It's those small accomplishments. Um, and like early on in the season, I'll do things that like they will get in like 20 minutes, right. Right? like something that's small. And maybe it's a team building task, like figuring out everybody's names, you know, but something right. small that they'll get and, um, you know, we had a, a silly thing to get everybody's names and we would like time it and then I'd see what they could do and then drop the time limit. I'm like, okay, do you think you could do it? And, you know, 20 seconds less and they can't, you know, they're going to fail a couple times and then they'll get it. Um, and then as the season goes on, expanding on those, giving them challenges that might take a couple days, that might take a couple weeks and getting used to like, if you don't get it right now, that's okay. And right. you're making progress and be confident in the progress and the setbacks or it doesn't mean it's over. Um, and so like finding those little micro times to, um, set a goal, set a challenge and work for it. Um, cause I think especially in dance, like our big goals are like months away. Right. And you only have, you know, you may have six months before you're on a stage or on the floor and, um, you don't want that to be the first time you feel challenged. Right. right. You want to have lots of challenge experiences going towards that and failure experiences and bouncing back from failure and from a very small level all the way up to competition time. So bouncing back from failure, um, what yeah. are some some ide- advice you would give on bouncing back from failure? Yeah, I think resilience is such a huge uh, a thing we all need to learn. Uh, and I think as a coach, we all, it's part of our job to help them learn that. So, uh, I guess two things. One, I think it's good to model resilience yourself and to admit when you messed up in some way, we all make those mistakes and talking about what you're going to do to make it better. Um, you know, I even have like mantra with my six year old. I'm like, everybody makes mistakes. And like, all you can do is apologize and try to make it better. Right. Or learn something from it. Yeah. It's like you learn something, right? You try to make it better, whether you learn how to do it again or you fix it or whatever. But anyway, the modeling it is helpful. And I think ultimately resilience comes down to culture and like, what Mm. is your team culture? And if you are, if you celebrate effort over outcome, resilience is going to happen. Outcome. I think we need to all talk about that effort over outcome. I like that. Yeah. It's a big, uh, if you're familiar with the concept of uh, growth mindset, I think yeah. it's become such a big hot topic. And uh, it's something I've like researched actually, like kind of academically. And we see so much about how it's it, when you praise someone's effort instead of praising the outcome that they did, it completely changes their mindset. So even when they're successful, like rather than saying like, oh, you're so good, you're so naturally talented or saying like, I'm so proud of you, you did it being like, I'm so proud of you. You worked so hard to make that happen. And that like small language shift of praising them about their effort, um, 
is a big uh, factor in creating that resilience. Oh, it's so, it's so cool. I could talk about this all day. Like right now <laughs> at our studio, we're doing solo, all our kids are doing solos. And mm-hmm. basically they're from the same class and then they get to these events and they're competing against each other, so to speak. Sure. Right. And I just, I'm, I'm always trying to, you know, pound home the, the thought that someday these are younger kids. Someday you're going to be on the same high school team. So you're cheering these guys on. The reason we're doing solos is make to make you step out of your comfort zone, make you try Mm -hmm. as hard as you can and do something you've never done before. And we're trying to promote excellence. So who wins to me is not as big a deal. It's your effort. It's your effort. And the fact that you're going for it. So but that's yeah. a hard point to get across. It is. And I think for teachers and coaches too, like we we get really excited at a positive outcome, whether it's a competitive outcome or like you're the, the kid hit the skill for the first time. Like we get we should celebrate that and that's fantastic. But celebrate their effort it took to get there. I like um, that. Yeah. There's there's something in the psychology of it too, where like if a child um, at any age, it happens all the way through into adulthood. But as a kid, like if we, um, we tend to think if you can get something easily, that means you're talented or like if math comes fast to you, then you must be smart. And if you have to put effort into it, then you're not as good. And so there's this, it happens a lot in, in school, right. Around math and spelling and writing and reading and all that. Um, but we do it in dance. And as soon as somebody says you're naturally talented, or as soon as they say something about how I'm like, Oh, it's like, Oh, you got that so quickly. And then for the kid who's not getting it so quickly, Mm. it becomes, I'm like, well, I must not be good enough or I'm not as talented as them. Where if you can really highlight the effort, not only to the individual child, but like to your whole class or to your whole team of like, you know, I've seen the progress on this skill for the last like two months and today you hit it. And I'm so proud of that. Like you didn't give up, you kept fighting and like praising that in the moment is so much more powerful than just like the success of you did it. Yeah. I like that. What do you feel are the worst thing a coach can do? in terms of having them their kids crumble or like, what do you want to avoid as a coach? What would be a okay. big no-no as a coach? Yeah. From like the mental side of having the kids yeah. fall apart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The mental side of coaching. Um, I think, Oh, there's a couple. Let's see. Yeah. I guess that like, there's a lot that culture stuff around like how you handle mistakes and failures. I think it's one of the biggest things, right? So um, we all are going to make those mistakes and whether they're a mistake on the competitive floor or you forgot to bring something to practice or like whatever, those mistakes happen and how you handle those mistakes um, change a lot. So I think like avoiding from a punishment point of view, I always try to focus on um, like praising and rewarding the positives and not always um, focusing on the punishments of the um, the other side. And yes, there are punishments and there has to be sometimes like there's rules and you have to follow through and yeah. there's hard lines. Um, but when you focus on like demerit systems or things that are all about like, don't do X, Y, Z rather than praising when you do 
you know, the positive oh. side of the culture. We're it changes the, a lot about your approach. We're on the same yeah. page because I <laughs> hate demerit systems. I just, <laughs> I tell coaches, why do you do this? It's like yeah. catching kids doing things wrong. You know, let's catch yes. them doing things right. And absolutely. I yeah, feel it's one of like, my favorite books actually is called catch them being good. Oh, I and, haven't read it. Um, I haven't read it, yeah. but I feel like I live it because I, yes. I just feel like your culture is so important. And you know, I, I think even as a young coach, sometimes I, I paid attention to mistakes too much. Like if someone made a mistake and then I would, you know, I think I would get it in their heads. Like, don't make any mistakes, you know, yeah. well, duh, I shouldn't have said, right. you know, you, yeah. And I think you create a culture of dancing from fear. Yeah. You don't want that. Gonna, no. And they can't, and like physically, I talk about this sometimes in like gas talks that I do that like what happens when you're scared in your body, like you get tight, right? Like your muscles clench or you don't breathe very well. Like then as a dancer, there's no way you're going to perform your best. Right. We have to be, you know, fluid and connecting with our entire bodies and using our breath. And if you're scared, you're like physically restricted. You're not going to perform well. And then you are more likely to make that mistake and kind of choke in the moment. Um, which makes you more scared. <laughs> right. It's just going to make it worse. Um, so yeah, focusing on like how you handle those mistakes. So I think back to, I guess what you, what you asked about avoiding, um, I think avoiding punishment for uh, like honest mistakes, right? right? I think there's, again, there's a difference between like code of conduct kind of mistakes. Oh, absolutely. Right. The like address those, right. Yeah. Those need to happen. But more of the like I tried something and I didn't do it well or right. I made you know it's handling uh those mistakes so that you're not creating a sense of fear or a sense of like you're not good enough or you're inferior because then they won't they'll be scared to do it again or scared to try right um, you'll be tentative you won't yeah you know you'll hold back you won't be able to do right. it full out because think, you're right. so worried and I think most studios we all have this culture like when somebody falls in practice that you all clap right that's pretty kind of universal in dance world. And I think that's fantastic, but it's almost, I think we kind of forget that what it really means. Somebody like falls out of something or they went full out and they trip and we like clap, yay. But it's like, no, actually that's a really big moment mm -hmm. to like, you went for it. I saw that you tried, I'm proud of you. Like keep trying. Right? I, I agree. I feel coaches need to really reward um, getting back in there. Like when you fall, yeah. that quick recovery is what we're yes. looking for. And that's something I try to coach is that Absolutely. If, if you make a mistake, you're going to make a mistake. So you mm -hmm. have to, you have to work on recovering it. And if I get after kids, it's because they like don't finish things or they quit. Right. So I want yes. them to, I want them to, so you fell out of that turn. How, what if you bobble it at the event? You're going to need to come yeah. out of it. You're going to need to fix it. Yeah. So. And I think you can, back to what we were saying about like practicing and preparation, you can prepare for how to handle the mistake or prepare, which is just a practice that didn't go so well. How quickly can I recover? How do I help? Um, or if you are like competing on a team, if you see a teammate make a mistake, how do you react to them on the floor in the moment? Do right. you, you know, yell out and like, you know, you got this and like encourage them in the yeah. moment when yeah. you see it, you know, and practicing that culture so that when it happens at some point on a competition floor, um, you know what to do and you know how to handle it. Um, yeah, so it's that same kind of preparation. And there's times where if I have a team that's been like super solid, I'll actually intentionally interject things to throw them off, whether it's the music cutting out or I tell a junior captain to drop a palm intentionally, or like to, just to do something to make them like, oh, you know, it's we've been solid for a while, but that doesn't mean it's always gonna be there and how do we practice 
the mental, like the getting back in the game really quickly. That's so, that's smart. I've never thought of intentionally turning the music off or whatever. So, yeah. And I swear. Usually you don't have to because like somebody will do something and they it naturally it'll happen. Yeah, but yeah. I've had a couple times where I'm like, this routine is solid and we're kind of getting complacent. So yeah. I'm going to shake this up a little bit. Oh, that's great. Tools, anything with rituals or? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can speak to that a little bit. I think, um, I like what you said earlier though. That's like, it's what you do every day. Right. Like that is, that's absolutely true. Um, but there is a little bit with, um, kind of science behind the mental preparation side of rituals. And especially if it is something you do all the time, then when you do that same ritual as part of your competition prep, you're going to be more solid and more confident. Um, so there can be little things that are like special to competition. Um, but a lot of it is what you do, um, throughout. So like I, a lot of teams like to visualize, Yeah, I love uh, visualization, which is great. And it's super helpful. And you can even like train that and become really good at that, but you don't want competition morning to be the first time you've done that. Oh, absolutely. Right. right. So it becomes like a competition thing. It's like, no, this is an all the time thing. <laughs> like this yeah. should be comfortable and normal. Um, I had like a, a simple drill thing that we used to do for Palm um, that you could do in a small space um, that was more mental. And, you know, we would do it for two months so that by the time you get to competition, when we would do that simple thing, they were like, okay, I'm grounded. I know what I'm doing. And, you know, it can be even like if you have a choreographed warm up or you just have like a system of, you know, like I always do this series of releves before I practice my turn prep, like something that feels mm -hmm. grounding and normal um, is really helpful mentally. So you can have little special things that make it competition, but it's about keeping what you always do consistent that day. And I think that's an important thing. I know when you're a new coach, you're just trying to make everything special and, you know, right. like one day, yeah. one, of, one of the stupidest things I ever did was it was the day of the section meet and I decided, oh, let's have Wheaties. Let's have the breakfast of champions, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. the other of our kids didn't always eat whole flavor. <laughs> Yeah, so that was not something to do on competition day. You yes, know, not something to change up. No, <laughs> you know, it was really crazy. So yeah, I learned that the hard way. But yep. so um, just maybe the last thing you you wrote something on your blog that said have a confident team by cleaning. Can you maybe just speak to that a little bit? Yeah, um, it's actually one of my um, kind of cleaning rituals. It's a little bit like we were talking about of um, practicing something that's challenging okay. so that you have to feel like you can overcome it in order to gain confidence. And so within the research of confidence, there's like six sources of confidence. One of them is achievement, right? You're more confident if you've done it before, right? right? Mm -hmm. um, and so in dance world, like if you've won a state championship before, it's a lot easier to be confident about it again. But if you've never done it, it feels scary and it feels like you can't like get to that level. Or unattainable. Um, yeah. Yeah. So instead, like finding ways to have that sense of accomplishment, even at a smaller level, and it just adds up. So with cleaning, it's this drill um, that's like three is key, basically. So you set two. Um, I usually do like two to four eighths of the routine. It depends on what you're doing. Um, and it can have like a key technical element and it's like, you know, the eight before and after and kind of whatever that looks like. Um, and, or something that is, you know, if you change a kick line, that's been ingrained and now you have to fix it. Like something that's going to yeah. take a while to fix. Um, and so for those like four, eight counts, basically they have to hit it three times in a row before you move on. And if you hit it twice and you miss, you go back to one. Um, and so 
I kind of set this drill. My team knows it now. I'm like, okay, three is key. Here we go. And they're ready for it. And you have to pick the right time where like, you know, it's possible. Um, you don't, but it's not going to happen right away. And, uh, and something I also like, you just have to be careful physically that whatever they're doing, they can repeat that many times. Like, right. You don't want to do it necessarily with head springs or, <laughs> you know, stuff that you don't want them doing 60 times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then it's just, you go, you do those four eights. If, you know, make the comments on whatever was wrong. So until his head was off, like you're on eight instead of one, your palm arms too low. Like you make all the corrections. Okay, go again. And you keep doing that until they can hit it three in a row that feels perfect. And if you can time it right, where it's a hard enough challenge, but it's possible that practice, it takes, I don't know, sometimes it takes me 20 minutes. I've had times where on those four eights for 45 minutes. And like, if you have the right culture, the team starts boosting each other, right? They're okay. like, come on ladies, like we got this, we could keep fighting. And yeah. it's not the same person making a mistake every time. So again, it's how do you handle, how do you get back into it? How do you make those corrections quickly? Um, and then by the end of that, you know, 20, 30 minutes, once you hit three and you know, that celebration of like, we did it, like we, we fought it. Yeah. for it, we didn't quit. We made it happen. And there's a huge confidence boost out of that. Like the whole point being that sense of like, we had a challenge as a team and we came together and we fought and we made it happen. And it's a real, like, it's a microcosm of what you want to happen at competition, that they come together, that they fight, that they don't give up. Um, And it's a really great, like confidence boost for them. I love that. Well, Chelsea, karate, right? Yes. It's like karate. Thank <laughs> you it. so much for being on this. And where can people follow you if they want to hear more about you? Sure. Thank you. Um, I have a blog that you referenced. So I write every week about all things uh, dance and dance team. Um, it's passionatecoach.com. And uh, so that has all sorts of articles and freebies. And um, I actually have a whole ebook on confidence um, that you can find there as well. Uh, and then I guess on social, I'm on Instagram. That's probably the best way Instagram. to kind of follow along when I do workshops with teams or kind of coaching tips and stuff. So that's just passionate coach on Insta. And I'll try to post this on my Facebook as well so that yeah. people thank can you. find you easier. Well, we appreciate you taking the time. You have a very busy schedule. And I <laughs> Absolutely. Thank well, thank you, you for so having me, Cindy. Much. I love everything you do and what oh. your contributions. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Anything But Routine podcast. Be sure to subscribe, and if you enjoyed this podcast, give us a five-star rating. For more Anything But Routine content, go to JustForKicks.com slash Anything But Routine.